I just want to echo what we have already said and say happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. You know, uh, God needs good, God-fearing dads, and I'm thankful at this church that we have a lot of them. When, when I remember, I think even before I was a dad, I remember it seemed like, you know, on Mother's Day they would celebrate moms, and they ought to. I've got a great mom, and I'm married to one. And on Father's Day, you left feeling like you could not measure up. Like they would preach these huge responsibility messages. So this morning, we want to celebrate dads. We don't want to do that. So I'm not going to preach on being a father. But in honor of Father's Day, I do have a few dad jokes that I'd like to start with. All right, and just to let you know, um, due to the recent quarantine, they will all be inside jokes. <laughs> They're all that bad, at least. There's not a better joke. They're all that bad. So I'll just fly through them right fast. Um, uh, what do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? Irrelevant. Um, <laughs> I want to skip them all. Like, it takes a lot of bravery to say these. Um, uh, um, what do you call a fake noodle? Impasta. There you go. There we go. Um, you know, they say that people pick their nose. I feel like I was born with mine. Um, uh, yeah. It went over the same way at the 10 o'clock. It went over the same way. Um, in the last one, last one, this is a real dad joke. You know, I think it is weird when my wife starts a conversation with, are you listening to me? So you've maybe heard that one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, so leading up, to, leading up to this message, I want to give you a little backstory. Uh, I've been processing some things. I've been talking with people I trust and talking to my wife and talking to God about some moves that maybe um, I want to make personally for my family, for me, and even more specifically in the area of biz the arena of business. So I'm, I'm trying to make some right calls and things like that. And when I'm trying to do this, I'm asking God, you know, I'm like, God, I don't feel like you're talking. Like, are you here? I mean, I know you see me, but but do you see me? <laughs> you know, like, I, you know, and things like this. And uh, my, my two-year-old son, his name is Rowan, and he's got a game that he likes to play where he'll put his hands over his eyes. Maybe your children have done this. And he'll put his hands over his eyes and he'll close his eyes. And then he won't say, Daddy, I can't see you. He'll say, you can't see me, Daddy. You can't see me. You know, as the, you know, he thinks just because he can't see me that I can't see him. You know, and I don't know about you, but I actually play that exact same thing with Jesus Christ. When I don't see him moving, I think that he can't see me just because I can't see him. And I'm in one of those moments where I'm like, God, I don't, I don't see you right now. Um, and it's crazy to think that because we know that he sees us all the time. I heard the Bible's promise that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But that's just how I was feeling. So I was like, sir, where are you at? And then whether he gave me the direction or not, I decided, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to hire some new employees, and we're going to expand a little bit. So I'm in the process of trying to expand, and I'm looking through 40 or 50 different applicants, and a lot of people that there are one jobs, and then this guy, he, he can do this, and this person can do this, and this person's Facebook says that they definitely don't want a job. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like there's all these different things going on. Um, uh, and I'm thinking, man, I wish that I can just consolidate this thing into one box, and then if they could check this one box, I would know that by them checking this box, they're who I'm looking for. Like, because it would really simplify it, because every person that didn't check the box, sift them. Every person that did, hey, let's have a phone interview. You know what I'm saying? I wish there was a box, and I was never able to get that one box. But through the process of me trying to limit it to just a few things that were the things that I knew that I wanted in a person that I was looking for, 
I find out that God actually has that box. God has a box that if you can check it, it is one of the things, the main thing that he's looking for. And I don't know about you, but if there was a box that I knew that if I could at least strive to make sure there's a check mark in that box, I would be after it because if he's looking for that, then that's what I want to be. And we can actually find that box in 2 Chronicles. Let's read it right fast. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It goes like this. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those. Now here we go. Here's what he's looking for. He's searching the whole earth. He's looking over the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The box that God is looking for in order for us to know that he's looking at us is a committed heart. It's a committed heart. And that sounds so simple, but I want to ask a few questions in the next couple of moments that maybe will help us understand what it means to have a committed heart and then be able to tell, hey, do I have one? Do I want one? Have I had one? What does it take to get one? You know, And a committed heart, to me, it's kind of one of those things that's kind of really, really close. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the things, the, the closer something is to me, it's harder for me to see. Um, there's memes that go on like this, but my wife will say this about me all the time. She says, we can be going 75, 88, you know, we can be going down the highway at 75 miles an hour, and a quarter mile away, I can see a deer in the corner of the field. And I can, but I can come home that same night and open the fridge and miss the ketchup bottle right in front of me. <laughs> you know I mean, and then, because sometimes things that are so close, they're harder to see. I was on the job the other day, and I was talking to my guys. I was listening to guys. I was, I said, I buy pencils so that we'll have them. I load pencils so that we need to mark something that we'll have them. I sharpen pencils so that when we need to sharpen pencil, we'll have them. I said, guys, and where do y'all keep putting the pencils? And the whole time, I've got a pencil right in my hand pointing at them the whole time. Have you ever been looking for something that was in your hand, your phone maybe, or something like that? It's so close to you. So what I found out is that sometimes in life there are things that are so close that, man, we might need a little help seeing them. So maybe you came in here and you said, of course I've got a committed heart. I'm not saying you don't, but what if we had a conversation so that you can kind of look at it from a different angle just to double check? Because if the thing that God is looking for is a committed heart, I want to do everything that I can to make sure I have one. You know. And there was a man in the Bible, his name is King David. He's a famous character. And he had done a lot of things right, but he'd done some things wrong. And he'd lived enough life to find out that, hey, you know what? I might need some help making sure that my heart is committed to God. And you know what he does? He asked the one that created his heart to look at his heart to find out if it was committed. It's a beautiful passage. Let's read it right fast. It's right here in Psalms chapter 139, verse 23 and 24. He says this. He says, God, I invite. Your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on. And lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. See, King David, he knew that he couldn't trust himself just to examine his own heart. Because we look at our own heart through our own views through what we already preconceived be right and wrong. And he knew that he needed God's help. So he asked God, he said, God, would you come? I invite you, matter of fact, to come look at my heart and let me know the ways that are in it that are opposite to what you want from me. So i got a couple questions I want to ask us right fast that would help us kind of be able to locate where our heart is in terms of being committed to God. The first one is, do you want what he wants? And it's a really simple question, and I don't mean do you want what he wants 
for the world or for the United States or even more specifically, even for the people in this room. But I mean, do you want what he wants for you? I'm along the way growing up. I was a younger man. I'm still a young man. I feel like a young man. I hope I'm a young man. But I was younger than I am now. And you may not know this, but I had huge aspirations and I was really bought in. I was going to be a professional fisherman. People were going to pay me to wake up every morning and get in a boat, go out to the lake, catch fish, come back, and do the same thing the next day. I, I believe that. Yeah, man, why wouldn't you believe it, man? I would love I would, I, I, it. It doesn't sound bad right now, actually. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I, I wanted to go, and I wanted to fish professionally, and that's where I was at. And then along the way of spending a lot of time fishing, I have people that I trusted that came to me and said, hey, you know what? There may be a call of God on your life. You may want to ask God to search your heart and find out if you're committed or not. Now I was like, why would I want to do that when I can catch fish all day? <laughs> like, that doesn't sound fun. So I kept fishing, and someone else would bring it up. And then I would know in my own heart, what I mean by that is, is that I would be convicted that I was pointing my life in the wrong direction. Again, nothing wrong with fishing. You can take me to your favorite secret spot today. Well, not today, it's Father's Day. But tomorrow, I'll meet you there. But I had my life pointed in the wrong direction. So one evening, after several conversations and several times of ignoring the voice, ignoring the voice of God in my life, I'm fishing, and I put everything up in the back of my truck. I go over here to talk to a buddy. I turn around, and someone had stolen everything in my truck. All of it. Thousands and thousands of hundreds, hundreds of dollars of, of fish and stuff was gone. And you may have the thought that I initially had. I was like, God, did you come down? Did you steal? What good are these fishing poles for you, God? Did you steal? But no, God, God didn't steal my fishing poles. God was actually trying to protect my fishing poles all the times that he tried to get me to look to him and not to fishing. So you would think that would be enough, losing those hundreds of dollars of fishing poles, for me to say, you know what, I'm going to have a fully committed heart to God. I'm going to do what he wants me to do with my life. I'm going to want what he wants, but that wasn't enough. Because the other thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to be a veterinarian. So that next, I mean, I like, I like some animals, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, mean, I, like, I feel like I like enough of them to have a small practice, you know what I'm saying? Like dogs and dogs, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll be a dog specialist. But anyways, so I, that's what I'm going to do. So I sign up for a shadowing program. It's an internship program. At the time, it sounded awesome because I'm going to exchange my labor for education. So I'm going to work, and he's going to teach me, this guy. So I sign up for it. The first day I get there, and I'm like, man, this is going to be a good time. I get there. He said, hey, I've got, you know, a couple hundred bales of square bales that I need hauled. I'm like, I don't need it. I've done that before. Like, I don't need an education for that. But he says, so the first day I'm hauling hay bales, and I'm starting to think, God, what, what am I learning about being a vet hauling hay bales, and there's no hidden message. I wasn't learning anything at all. Like, he was abusing my time. He was taking advantage of me. He knew I was desperate. Um, uh, anyways, so then the next day I go, and they've got me moving crates. And what you do is you take the animal out, you clean whatever the animal does in the crate out, and then you had gloves on at the time, you had gloves on, and you clean it out, and then you move the animal to another crate. You know, here you go, move him, clean it out. Well, there's a demon-possessed cat in one of the crates, and I go to open it, and it attacks my hand. So I'm not cleaning it out, and I didn't want them to know that I didn't clean it out, so I take her crate, and I move it to a different spot with her in it, and I move a different crate back up there. They were none the wiser. But that's the second. I didn't still quit. I had a whole hay. Cat tried to kill me. I didn't quit. And the third day, I'm feeding his cows. I've done nothing that would make me know anything more about wanting to be a vet. Not a thing. Everything's pointing me the other way. 
third day, I'm feeding his cows. His dog bites me in the leg. I've got a feed bucket. I'm trying to get his dog off my leg. Self-defense. It's not, there's nothing wrong with trying to get a rabid dog off your leg. And I'm getting it off my leg, and then I look up at someone yelling at me, and I'm thinking they're hollering at the dog, and he's hollering at me for hitting his dog with a bucket. I'm like, God, I get it. Like, I get it. I get it. I, I, I get it, I get it. So then, then, then I begin to surrender my heart in that way, and here's what I want you to see. I begin to surrender my heart, and then I go to Bible school. And I meet a guy named Ernest from Holland and a gentleman named Alex from Ghana. And we start a life group together. And we begin to talk about God, and we begin to pray, and we begin to study the Bible. And what I found out from Alex is that in his culture, the thing that I was running from that I didn't put any value on, people were lining up hoping they got picked to do. So what I want you to see is this, is that don't miss what God wants for you specifically because you haven't placed the proper value on it yet. And it's easy for you to maybe check out because I'm up here preaching and you say, well, that's just for preachers. No, it's not just for preachers. Everybody in this room has an individual ministry and thing that God created you to do. And it may not just be one thing, but right now there definitely is a thing that you're supposed to be doing. And what I would say is, do you want what God wants? Would you ask him, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Begin to send people across my path. Begin to stir up an interest and a desire in my heart. Let the process get started so I can not just want what I want, God, but that I could value what you want and I can move my life in that direction. The first question is, is do you want what he wants? And the second, actually, the last question is this. Do you feel what he feels? Do you feel what he feels? Again, when I was a younger man, I'm, uh, I'm starting to notice all my stories are when I was younger. I'm not, I must not be as active anymore. <laughs> you know? um, but, but when I was a younger man, I was playing basketball. Um, uh, I never had any aspirations of playing professional basketball. Any, I was, <laughs> I'm, just, you, don't let, I'm not any taller than this. Does, don't let this fool you. Like, I'm down here. Um, uh, but anyways, I, what happened was is that I had fell and busted my knee during practice. And I hit it so hard I couldn't get it to bend. Like, it's just sitting there, and it's bleeding, and I could barely, I mean, I'm not very flexible. I mean, I used to be. But, like, I, I, I was trying to, and I couldn't, I, and no one would help me. Can you believe that? I had a friend on the team help me. So what I need you to know is, is that earlier in that practice, I had stubbed my finger. So I'm beat up. Like, I'm beat up. I got a stubbed finger, and I've got a hurt knee. And then I noticed that no one's going to, like, I've got I've to treat this knee, you know. So I reached down, and I began to dress the bleeding knee with a stubbed finger. And did you know nowhere in that process did my brain tell my finger that it did not have the right to hurt? But even though my finger hurt, I had to address the bleeding wound. And sometimes I think when we ask ourselves, hey, do I feel like God feels, the first response we have, even if we wouldn't voice it, is, yeah, but I feel this way. And what I want you to know is, is that no matter how you feel, God has never asked you to ignore your feelings or your hurts when he's asked you to feel how he feels. So God has never said, hey, ignore your stubbed finger to dress your bleeding knee. Let's bring it home. What do I mean by that? Well, you may be the dad that's worked for 12 hours. You get home, you've got three kids, and you're exhausted, you're tired, your finger's stubbed. But those kids, they still need raised. You may be the mom that's giving and giving and giving all day long. You're like, man, I need a break. But you've got a double header and you've still got to feed three of them. 
You may have to push through. You may be the person that has held your mouth at work because you've got crazy co-workers, but for the sake of the gospel, you've loved them anyways. Yeah, God knows that you may hurt. God knows that you may have feelings. But would you forsake your feelings and to find out what his are? Would you not trust yours long enough to find out something that you can trust? You may be the individual that's given even though you don't have a dime, but you've trusted God. Yeah, you've got a stub finger, but let's address the more important need in the moment. You may be a person that has a brother or sister of the opposite skin color and you're saying but i'm hurting too and what god is saying would you feel how i feel i'm not asking you to ignore your hurt but would you go address your brother's hurt do you feel the way that he feels i've got a cousin and uh we grew up together, and it's a cool thing to get to grow up with cousins. I mean, I don't know, like, we, some of my first fights were with my cousins, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, some, you just learn a lot. He's the same age as me, so it was, I'm thankful that I got to grow up with him. But what I'm not thankful of is that my cousin, when we were growing up, he got to have a Dallas Cowboys bedroom. Any Dallas Cowboys fans in here? Yep. There was one in this one and one in the last one. That's all we got. Man, it's hard on them Dallas Cowboys, bro. I got booed the last time. Well, I, I happen to be one of those guys. Um, uh, and, uh, but my cousin, he had a Dallas Cowboys bedroom. What I mean by that is it's cool. Check this out. The bottom was blue. The top was silver. And in the middle, he had a border of Dallas Cowboys helmets separating the two colors of paint. Ooh, it's so nice. Emmett Smith on one wall. Deion Sanders on another, Troy Aikman over here, cheerleaders behind the door. I, mean, I'm just, I, I, I didn't tell you my cousin's name for a reason, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying he had it made, man. He had an awesome bedroom, and all I had was a half-blind aunt that drew me a Nike Swish that looked like a check mark. You know, like he had it made. I just Nike check mark, um, uh, but he had it made. And you know something that my cousin never did. Other than rub it in my face. He rubbed it in my face all the time. But you know what he never did? He never grabbed a dart and threw it at Troy Aikman. You say, well, of course he didn't. Well, yeah, of course he didn't. Because that poster of Troy Aikman is an image of the real Troy Aikman. And then if he really loved Troy Aikman... There's no way he would use the real one as a dartboard. There's no way he would say everything he didn't like about that poster. There's no way he would pick that poster apart. There's no way he would judge that poster because if he judged that poster, he would intact be judging the actual Troy Aikman. And do you feel like God feels, leads me to let you know, is that we have been made in his image. We are the poster of him. And how can we walk around thinking less of his images in the same breath, say we actually love him. Matter of fact, Scripture's pretty clear about this. Let's read it right fast. You'll find it in 1 John. It says this, 1 John 4, verse 20. It says, if someone says, I love God, but he hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love the God that he's not seen. And this commandment we have for him, that the one who loves God should also love his brother, or should love his brother also. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Is that if you want to have a committed heart, we need to ask ourselves these questions. Do I want what God wants for me? And do I feel what God 
feels. And he made it really simple. And I wish it wouldn't have been so simple because there's really no blurriness right here when he said this. He says that those people that we are trying to reach, the people that we are trying to reach, the people that we love Jesus so we love them, he said, here's how they're going to know that you belong to me. He said, they're going to know that you belong to me by the way you love and treat each other. You say, I don't feel like that. Here's what I want to encourage and challenge you to do this week. As a matter of fact, we're going to pray this way this morning. That you would ask God, hey God, do I want what you want? And hey God, do I feel like you feel? And I want you to go into that prayer and I want you to go into those times without this preconceived idea that you already know what he wants. Because what if what you've been looking for is like the pencil that was in my hand or the ketchup that was in the fridge and it was there the whole time but you overlooked it? What if the steps to what is, what if your next steps in God were already in front of you, they just didn't look like what you thought he wanted so you've just been holding on to it the whole time? It's been the phone you're looking for that's in your hand the whole time. It's been the ketchup bottle and you wanted Heinz and it was some other brand and you were waiting on Heinz to show up and God said the ketchup's right in front of you. The opportunity is right in front of you. You said, well, I, I didn't serve in church before COVID. I'm not going to right now. What if that is the opportunity? You said, well, how can that get me to where God wants me? Or how can that get me to my goals? I cannot tell you how it can make those goals better, but I can tell you that it will make you better. And when this gets right, you start stop caring so much about that. It doesn't mean that those external goals or these external things that you want to see God come through in your life don't matter anymore. It just means you put them in the proper place. And that place is, if this never happens, I will serve you with everything that I have. If this never comes to pass, I only want what you want in first place, and I only want to feel how you feel. And if this never, ever happens, I hope that it does. I believe that it does. I want that new job. I want that spouse. I want this thing to change. I want this addiction to break i want this pain to leave i want this healing to come but if it doesn't more more importantly than all of those things i'm going to serve you with what i have because i want first what you want not what i want i want to feel first what you feel not what i feel and i'm going to ignore how i feel if i have to to find out how you do so this morning i believe there's a group of people including myself, including myself, that would be willing to make a commitment to God. God, if the box you are looking for is a committed heart, help me to have one. Help me to have one. So let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you are a good God. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, when Jesus was resurrected, he went back up to heaven, and he said it was more beneficial to us that he would send the Holy Spirit. So you sent your Holy Spirit to come down here and run your church. He come down here and, and, and move in your church. So this morning I asked, Holy Spirit, that you would move on the hearts of your church. You would move on the hearts of the people. And Lord, if there's any area that they can already tell right now that they haven't committed to you, let's, let's make that change right now. If we don't want what you want or we don't feel what you feel, let's make that adjustment right now. And Father, throughout the days to come, we would recheck, we would trust people, and we would have conversations with people. We would look in Scripture, we would spend times in prayer. Father, we would make sure that we made room for you to speak some way to us in the arena of our committed heart. 
And we thank you for all that you're going to do when we make ourselves available in the name of Jesus. You know, there's probably a good chance that there's another group. I mean, I'm hoping that there's another group. I'm praying there's another group of people in here. And you say, you know, I, I don't need to look to find out what part of my heart is or isn't committed to God because I know there's no part of it that I've ever committed to God. There's not a part of it that I've ever trusted Him with. And if that's you, we're doing things a little bit different, but I'm excited and I'm encouraged about it. At the end of this experience, I'm going to stay right here, and I want you to come down, and I'm going to pray with you, and we're going to talk, and we're going to visit, and we'll have a conversation, and I want to celebrate with you what it means to commit your heart to Jesus and to serve Christ. So if you're in this room, when we dismiss everybody, please come find me up front, and let's talk about what it means to serve Jesus Christ.